In Daniel, there's so much parallel between Daniel and the culture that he lived in and ours today. It's somewhat eerie when you look at it. Um, and I'm not going to talk about a lot of the prophecy stuff, but I want to talk about just basic, simple, day-to-day living that you see. And the first thing I want to talk to you today is a little bit about your name, your identity, okay? Just for a little bit about identity. You know, everybody in this room, you have a name. Someone gave you a name. They thought about it. At least you hope they thought about it a little bit. If you don't like your name, you know, you can change it. Um, you can't do that if you hate it. But um, for most of you in this room, probably more than likely, they thought about your name at some point, a little bit, you know? Um, I know when we were looking at names for our kids, we, it took us a while. I mean, we bought the baby name book. That thing's like an encyclopedia. You know what I'm saying? We thought, no, I don't like that. No, I don't like that. And we'd read it, and we'd say, oh, that means that. Oh, I'm not going to name her that. I'm going to read this. And then, you know, you just keep going, and you're trying to find out. The first one, we went through that whole thing and realized after that, the, we don't know where the book is for the other two. They, we, we thought through the process differently for the other two. We thought, okay, that took forever. We like any of those names in that book. You just begin to figure it out after a couple of kids. You start naming them a little easier. You know what I'm saying? But the name, it means something. Each one of our kids, they have a name. It means something to us. It may not mean anything to you, but to us, it means something to us. Each one of our kids. Your name means something too. Whether you're, you like it or not, it has some meaning or significance uh, to someone. Daniel had a name that meant something to God. And so in the Bible, his name, and I'll share with you a little bit about what it means in a moment, but his name, it, it meant something. In the Hebrew culture, their names mean more than in our culture. My name's Jody. You think, well, that's Jody. Not a big deal. But Jody's because this came from a number of different names translated down, down. If you back it all the way up, Jody, Joey, um, I don't know, in however different ways you want to spell it, comes from Joseph. It's it, Your name, I guarantee if you back it up enough, it comes back to something somewhere along the lines that means something, probably from the Bible, more than likely. It's just a different rendition of it. It's just been passed on and changed over the years. So a name means something. And through your name, it gives you identity. I don't know if you've ever tried to go buy something before. Now you can use your credit cards, debit cards, whatever you got. And if you try to use it most of the time, they're just going to let you go right on through. They don't really care. But it's a whole different story. If you go to the airport and want to fly a plane, you have to show a valid form of identification. If you're domestic, you show a license, driver's license or something like that. If you're international, you got to show a passport. And the reason why they do that now, and now they're going to do the fingerprints, and some places are going to retina scan, but depending on what you're involved with, I mean, if you're getting retina scan in here, man, like, just let me know because I don't want to cross you. Like, you may be like MI6 or something like that. I don't know, whatever. So, you know what I'm saying? But, like, so some people get that, but... There are true, some things I've had to do fingerprint scans before because they want to make sure you're really who you say you are. Because a name can be altered, a picture can be copied, and you can make fake IDs. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, see, this guy over here, you got to watch. I knew he knew all about it, man. I knew it. You can you make them all day long. And he works here, by the way, in case she's wondering. Like, what? But you know what you can't duplicate? No matter how many of those Tom Cruise movies you watch. You can't lift the fingerprint off of a glass. Stick it on a red a digital screen and get it to come through. At least I don't think you can anyway. I think that's just movies. You can't duplicate a fingerprint. You know that your fingerprint, scientists remove biblical understanding from this for a moment. Scientists have proven this, that your fingerprint is so unique, there is not another one like you. That's why they fingerprint you now for things. So later on, they can see if you do something wrong, they got you, you know. 
No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Yeah, but your fingerprints are all over stuff. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I hate to tell you, but they, there's no one else got fingerprints like you. It's so unique, created by God. It's amazing to me, isn't it, that you have a finger totally unique and given to you by God. Your identity, though you have a name, your identity, who you really are, so many times is not, though, what we live out. Like, you've been given a name. My name's Jody, okay? So my dad told me the other day, he said, you know, my family woman named you Paul. That's his name. His dad's name was Paul. His dad's dad's name, I think it was Paul Patrick or something like that. Anyway, a bunch of Irish people, you know, stuff like that. So if you're Irish, I, you know, anyway, I'm not picking just so you know. But he didn't do it. He decided he's going to buck trend. If you knew him, you'd understand why he, you know, did totally opposite. So he named me Jody. Crazy, crazy story. Named me Jody. The reason why, he said a friend named Jody. This guy did good things, right things. He wasn't like a bunch of other friends like he had. And he was not involved with a bunch of crazy stuff. He didn't want me to get involved with some of the stuff he did. So he named me Jody. And then he gave me the middle name Free. People, growing up, it was a crazy thing. Growing up, I tell people my middle name, Jody Free. They say, Free, what kind of name is that? And people say it all the time. I mean, I had teachers. I love you if you're teaching here. But sometimes, you know, I never understood why comments were made. You know, well, what do you mean free? Like F-R-E-E. That's what it means. I can spell. I haven't been through enough of the class. I can spell it for you if you need me to. Like, I ain't picking on all teachers. I'm just saying, sometimes, you know, you have a few like like, there's a few pastors, too, that ain't no good. Not this one, but this a few. You know what I'm saying? I'm not picking on everybody. You understand what I'm saying. But I would have to, I'd have to explain it so many times. And finally, I was like, man, I wish I had a different name. I hate the word free. Every time I say it, people go like, why is your name free? What kind of name is that? Nobody's named free. Like, and I thought, man, what kind of name? Why? And so I asked, I asked why is my name free? Nobody knew. I asked my dad. He's the only one to know. Of all the people who knew, he knows. It, anyway, so... He says, I wanted your name free because I didn't want you to be bound up by some of the same things that I was and my buddies was. Now, you might think well, there ain't no big deal with that. That's pretty big. That's pretty big considering about four generations back, stuff all throughout my lineage. And so I don't have that, though. My kids don't have They have no idea. My daughter's over here. She, she don't even have a clue what that life is like. And I thank God for that. But the, there's a... There's more wrapped up in your name than what you realize sometimes. But isn't it true, though, as much as I despised that for so long, I now embrace it because I understand it. But how many times do we all in this room not live out our identity? We're living out something someone else gave us. Some other name. You know, people say this all the time. Oh, the sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is the biggest, most ignorant statement ever produced in our culture. The worst, you can get over a bloody nose. You can get a stitch. It'll heal up, man. You can fix a broken bone. But, man, words can pierce the soul. And you will live out, you're a stupid, no good, terrible kid all of your days if you don't change what you've heard. You will hear, you'll never be anything. And you'll, it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy if you don't change something. Someone told me, you're just like your daddy. Or someone tells you, you're just like your dad. You're always going to be this. Or someone tells you, you're just like your mama. You're never going to be. It's amazing how many times, as much as people fight against it, you'll go down the same paths because of what was called or what was put over you and live out a different identity than what God wanted you to have. And a name means a lot. 
And so if you're in here right now, I'm, trying, I'm not trying to dig up psychological things of kids. And, you know, we're adults in here for the most part. And there's this inner child and you scream, now, let me out. Let me. I'm not trying to get in all that kind of stuff, man. I will tell you, however, that there is more reality to that than what we want to admit. Than what we want to admit. I read this, this book I'm reading. I've already read most of it now. But if you want to read it, it's really cool. I kind of enjoyed it so far. It's enlightening. But some of the stuff, the content I'm taking from is from a book by Chris Hodges. It's called Daniel. I can't remember the rest of the name. It's just Daniel. You'll find it if you just look up that. But he says this, The names that you allow to label you often title the scripts you live by. The names you allow to label you, what people call you, what they want to put on you, what they want to tell you you are, what they tell you you're not, you can't do this or you should do that or you can't, whatever. These often title the scripts that you live by. You just kind of role play the whole thing if you're not careful because of what people label you with. And whether we want to like to talk about this or not about the devil, the devil is after your identity. Who use any means necessary, any person necessary, anything necessary to shift what God wanted you to do or be and to make you think you're something else. He's after your, if you don't believe that's the truth, and I'm not picking right now, but I'm going to say a couple of things that aren't popular, okay? Our culture today is so confused. Just look around. Just All you have to do is turn on just a little bit of news or something. We are so confused today about our culture, about who we are, about what God created us to be. We're so uniquely created. There's not another one of you in this room that has the same fingerprint, and yet we're so confused today. We don't know whether we should be male or female. And we think it goes beyond, well, they're just going to be different. That's not what it is. What it is, someone's told them, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, and so therefore, I'm so burdened by what's happened to me, I'm forced to want to change my gender to hopefully bring some peace in my life and be happy again. That's the reality. And we shouldn't point fun and pick and say, well, they're just weird and crazy. No, no, no. Let me tell you what's weird and crazy. is Christians don't understand what's going on around them. We bind to the whole thing. Well, this, 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 this. No, 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 it's not. It's called the deception of the devil. And so if I can be like this, then I'll be happy. It'll take away the pain. It'll take away the insignificance. And I will be uniquely made. But you won't. Because in the end, what always happens, every generation, it always happens. We all get older. And in the end, no matter what you do to change your life, in the end, your fingerprints will still be the same. And one day you'll meet your maker. And what will it matter what you change? It will mean nothing. Because it won't give you any significance in the end. That's just one area. We could talk about that. We could talk about morality. We could talk about this. We could talk about that. Anything you want to name... But that one stands out so great to me because I feel for someone who is at that place, there's no one giving them any hope. To that point, we don't know who we are anymore. It's not just that. And I'd say it's not popular, I know. This is the truth. We've decided now that it's going on for so long, we don't even think about it anymore. But we now have determined this is, this is where it's going. If you don't believe, this is where it's going. Okay. Life is now determined by a number of weeks. It's no longer the beautiful cry of a baby, the coo of a little child. That's not, that is not considered life. It is a number of weeks now. And I wonder about these people who fight so strongly for this. And I'm not picking because if you're in here and, and if you've had an abort, listen, you know we love you. We're here for you. 
please don't hear, I'm speaking culture right now. I'm not picking. I'm not pushing. I'm not judging. I'm, I'm speaking over what's going on around us so you don't misunderstand what's happening around you. We love you. We'll help you, okay? You don't have to go through that stuff alone. But listen to me. The people who fight for all of these rights, for babies' lives or no lives or fetuses or no fetuses or whatever the number wants to be now, it's funny how the scale keeps shifting. Well, it was eight weeks. Now it's 22 weeks. Is it 33? If it's this, which is that. Really? So life is dependent upon a scale of numbers. And here's what I got to think. I wonder if those same people, when they get to be older, I wonder if life will mean a number of weeks for them just like it did for that baby. Because if you don't believe that's coming, it is. Because quality of life is going to be under question soon. That's what's going to happen. If a culture can say it's a number of weeks to begin, they can also say, well, it's costing us too much money. It's a number of weeks. We should end it. We would not, well, no, no, that would never happen. Oh, go read about Germany and see if it doesn't happen. Look at their history and they'll tell you. We live in a society today, if you never read about Dietrich Bonhoeffer and read about the stories of Bonhoeffer and what he said happened, they tried to change them. They were too far gone. Germany was a biblical powerhouse before the conversion of Hitler. You would think that's impossible. Go read the history for yourself and see. The culture is saying all these things, and so we're confused by our identity. Well, this is weeks, and this is that, and what is it that? And I don't know, because we've lost what God really said. Life doesn't start in a number of weeks. Life is life, and every life is precious. All lives are precious. Babies are precious. They're cute. They stink a lot, but they're cute, you know, when they're not crying and going nuts on you. And then when they get to be a little older, they're still cute. But, you know, when they start pitching those fits around two and three, like, and they fall on the floor and you think, like, are they possessed? Like, should I call the priest or what? Like, what is wrong with this kid? And you doubly wonder when they project that project. Like, I thought you just threw up. I, if you don't have kids, this might, this might be birth control for you right here. They're, they do something called projectile vomiting. No joke. It's like a missile. <laughs> That stuff comes out rapid fire, man. It's crazy. But, you know, babies are precious. All lives are precious. People, I mean, if they change their, they're precious. People, they change their gender, they're, they're precious. Older people, they're precious. All life is precious. But our culture says, well, it's all because the culture around wants to change things, remove the identity of who we are supposed to be, and give us a different name. This is exactly the same world Daniel lived in. It's so identical, it's scary. But Daniel, let me give you a a little bit about Daniel and his buddies, okay? Let me read this from Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3, this is the king that ordered, we'll call him Ash, because I can't pronounce his name. That's That's a big one. Anyway, it was his chief of staff, okay? He said to bring to the palace some of the young men of the Judas royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Yours may be yours may say the Chaldeans. Okay, it's the same same word. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. So not only did they have to be smart, you talking about some pressure. <laughs> you got to be smart, and you got to make the cover of GQ. Like, you, you know, that's a tall order, y'all. I'm just saying, man. So he said, 
Make sure they're very well versed in every branch of learning, gifted with knowledge, good judgment, and suited to serve in the royal palace. Train, watch this, train, train. They were already wise people. That wasn't enough. Watch what the king says. Train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. Lord, we want to be like us. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. If you read the culture, it would have been rich food, rich food, lots of meats and heavy, heavy, fatty stuff and sweets and cheeses and all that kind of stuff. So it says this, that they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. So three years of indoctrination, okay? Verse 6, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen from all the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, Hananiah was called Shadrach, Mishael was called Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego. Now you know some of his buddies, because you've heard about these other guys. Shadrach, Meshach. Isn't it funny how we call them by their Babylonian names? You ever thought about that? We don't call them by their heap. We call them by their Babylonian names. Every story you've ever heard about, no one ever prints, you know, prints the names of the, the Hebrew boys. They, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three boys in the fire. So we go on verse 8. But watch what Daniel says. Verse 8 says, But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for, for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. In their day, these change of names, let me just give you the reason for it. In their day, they were brought into captivity. They were the king's slaves, if you will. It was customary to change their names to show a sign of ownership. That was the point of it. It was to break them. Not only did I take you and cause you to be captive, I'm going to name you. You're mine. That was the idea. It's always been the idea in the history of slavery. It's, it's, it's a mind game. Not only is it a physical, t- it's a mind-mental thing. But let me throw you the names so you can see the meaning of these names and get a better understanding, okay? We'll do them one by one so you can see these, okay? First of all, Daniel, this is what his name means in Hebrew. God is my judge. Now watch what the king changed his name to. Belteshazzar, Lady protect the king. Some translations, some renditions say it's protect the king, but if you look up the word belt, it's actually belta, B-L-T-I, it actually means female. It's a female goddess that was one of the wives, you know, the king's wives who she worshipped, whatever. He named him after that. So he's lady, and then just changed his name. He changed his gender. You said, just like in our culture today. Not happy with my name, so I'm going to change everything. Because I'm not, I can't be secure in who God made me to be. I'm not happy with him. They changed his name. Lady protect the king. He went from God be my judge, didn't need any protection, to now you've got to protect the king. What about the other guys, Hananiah? It means Yahweh has been gracious. This is all these biblical names. Yahweh has been gracious. To Shadrach, I am fearful of God. Isn't that funny? Yahweh's gracious. Yahweh's the name that you don't even pronounce. The Jewish people, they don't even, you don't say Yahweh. Like that's a very reserved Reserved name, lest you know, you need to be careful what you say when you say it. That was his name. To, I am fearful of God. And then Mishael, who can compare to my God? To Meshach, I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. You notice the difference in the names? Azariah, Yahweh has helped to Abednego, the servant of Nebo, another God. These names, so every day they get up, this is what they hear. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come in here. We're going to teach you something. One's hearing, my goodness, I'm supposed to be afraid of God. One's hearing, I'm despised. And the other one's, I'm just a servant. Daniel had to hear every day, lady. 
protect the king. Now, how would you like it if someone named you and that's what your name meant? After your name was given to you by someone that had significance to you. It's no different than today. Satan wants to discredit, discredit the Bible. He wants to disgrace churches. He wants to do anything he can do to keep people's attention and focus off of truth. Because if people see the truth, guess what happens? They get secure in their identity. But without the truth, we're left wondering, should I be this, should I be that? I don't like myself, so I'm going to change everything about me. And you can act like, well, I'm not in that category. Oh, I beg to differ. I bet we're more in that category than what we want to talk about. If you don't think that's true, how many times do you get enslaved to other people and what they think about you, what they want from you, what they expect from you? We used to call it this, peer pressure. Peer pressure. Now, that's not cool anymore. I think it's politically incorrect to say peer pressure now. I don't know. Everything's politically incorrect. Half this message is politically incorrect, probably. But peer pressure used to be the thing where you say, you don't run with that crowd. My father-in-law said, like, if you run with the dogs, you're going to get the fleas. You know, it's like, there's just old terms like that you just listen to. It means the same thing. You get with the wrong crowd, you're going to have problems. The Bible teaches this. This is where it all came from. Bad company corrupts good character. You can be a great person and hang out with the wrong people. It won't be, but a matter of time, you will be just like them. If you think that's not true... I promise you, it is. So we need to know who we really are in this day. Understand your true identity. So the next few minutes, I just want you to think about who you really are, what God says about you, okay? Because in this world of culture, compromise, and chaos, if you will, man, you've got to know what does God say about you. Otherwise, they'll change your name too. They'll make you believe that God's a mean old mad God. He hates everybody. They read these things like Sodom and Gomorrah, and they read one story, and they make their judgment on God, and they have no idea about the cross, about God, what God did for humanity. God's a gracious God. Can't take one story out of context and say, we'll see what he did over here. Yeah, well, look what he did to his son. He absolutely destroyed his son for us. So who are we? Well, Jeremiah 1.5 says it like this. Before I formed you in the womb, which is why I love the stories when people talk about life. Before I formed you in the womb. So to me, if God forms someone in the womb, a man shouldn't be able to take. Because if God's forming, but see, when a culture don't even, this is what happens. When a girl says, well, we don't like God, then we don't have to listen to it, right? Do you see what happens? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I've appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And this is not just for Jeremiah. If God created Jeremiah, he created you too. Romans 8, 17 says this about us. And if we're children of God, we are heirs also, heirs of God. And watch this, fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. One translation said this, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If you don't know what an heir is, go look it up. But it just means whatever the family's got, you now get it. It means you are considered to God, by God, as a Christian. One, just like Jesus. You're not just, here's Jesus, he's the, he's the best, most favorite son. Like Joseph in the Bible and all the rest of us are just kind of like <laughs> subpar. Joint heirs means we are, I know this freaks people out, we are equal with Jesus in relationship to God. I know people hate to hear that. Like, oh, I would never say that. It's because someone changed your name and you're afraid of God. That's why. 
You walk around and think God's going to slap you in the head and strike you down with lightning or whatever because you just cut somebody off in traffic because you couldn't control your emotions. That's not how God is. God loves you. He paid too great a price for us to walk around going, oh, I'm so scared. I don't know what God's going to do. <laughs> you big old weenie, stop listening to the world. I mean, he loves you. He poured out his blood for you. He doesn't want you to walk around like some little scared beat dog. He wants you to stand up, kind of bow your, like men want to do this. When you get older, you want to bow your chest out every now and then. This is a great opportunity to do it. Bow your chest out a little bit spiritually and say, I am a child of the king. And regardless of the world, that's who I am. And when people say, how dare you say something like that? I didn't say it. I'm just repeating what he said. He called me a joint heir with Jesus. You don't like it? Take it up with that. Thank you very much. So be it. That's a man, amen corner right there. But listen, here's what happens, though. Unless we are grounded in this, we forget it because the world is telling you every day you're a different name than who you really are. They'll tell you every single day you're not who God created you to be. And I'm telling you right now, that is a lie from the pit of hell. No wonder he's doing all he's doing today to confuse us. Because if we can get confused, we won't know who we really are. If we don't know who we really are, we get indoctrinated by the Babylonian culture to become just like the world. And if we're just like the world, can we really be like God? No. So 1 Samuel says it like this. How do we forget who we are? Because we get focused on everybody else and what's going on around us. But 1 Samuel says this. Listen to what God says. For man looks on the outward appearance. Watch this. But the Lord looks right here. Everybody else is going to tell you, this is who you are. I see you, mm, you're this tall, you're that tall, you can play basketball. What if you don't like basketball? Oh, you know, you'd be a great this, you'd be great. Oh, you'd be a great artist. What if you can't draw? Oh, you'd be great. Oh, pick up the guitar, let's just play. I promise you, that's not how it works. That takes a lot of practice, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of energy. You might get play, but what if it's not even in you? What if you don't even care about playing? Or what if, man, what if you want to be a, a technician or something? What if you go to trade school? What if you don't want to go to university? What if you want to do something? What if you want to be a doctor? That's fine. But what if you don't? But see, the world, everybody will say this is what you should be. Our goal is supposed to identify what God is asking us to be. Because man looks on the outward appearance. Oh, you could play. But God looks at the heart. Who did you really become wired to be? So the enemy calls us all these other names, convincing us to accept all these false labels about ourselves. Unworthiness, shame, guilt. You Name all the names that people feel. Regret, mistakes, all that kind of stuff. And God is trying to preach all day long. That's not who I called you to be. When God is in control of our lives, he actually names us different names. If you think about people like Abraham, his name started out as Abram. God changed his name to Abraham before he had kids, which meant the father of many nations. Can you imagine being at his age, walking through Rome, Georgia? I changed my name, went down to the courthouse, changed my name. Why'd you do that? The Lord wanted me to change it. So you're no longer Abram? No, what's your name? Abraham. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yo, man, <laughs> you know what that name means, right? Yes, I know. Father of many nations. 
It means you got a bunch of kids. He's got no kids. He can't have kids anymore. And he's changed his name and told everybody, I got a lot of kids. People laughed at him. They ridiculed him. They made fun of him. Who do you think you are? Abraham. Oh, look out. Here comes Abraham. Whoa, he's got all these kids. Woo! You know, there's nobody with him. He's making all kind of fun of him. Can you imagine the ridicule? And yet he did it because that's what God told him to do. When you think about Simeon or Simon, as you would read it in one translation. Simon, just old fisherman. Fishing's good. Business is good. He's doing well. You know, people think Peter was some, you know, goofball fisherman, whatever. Listen, he had a business. He's a business owner. The guy wasn't no joke. He, he knew how to fish. He was a fisherman. He's doing this, and then Jesus calls him out. And you remember what Jesus called? He says, your name's going to be now Peter. Petros. What? You got to name me The Rock? You know, you're going to, what? You're going <laughs> to, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sleep deprivation, I think, I don't know. <laughs> they named him The Rock. I mean, it's one thing to be called The Rock if you are The Rock. I mean, you know, when you're built like that, you can be called The Rock. Just Sam, name suits the man, right? I mean, but when you're Peter, you're a fisherman, I don't think Jesus named him that because of his physique. Think about how many times he flip-flopped and was wishy-washy all throughout the time with Peter, saying dumb stuff, stupid questions, weird stuff, running from people, you know. He just three times denies Christ. And then he still, though, your name's Peter. I bet people thought, you call him the rock? And he's more like a pebble. What are you, what's wrong with you, man? But God does stuff like that to tell you that he sees, watch this, something in you that you don't even see in yourself. There's something he's seeing in you right now that the world around you, they can't recognize. And it might sound really stupid to walk around and say, I'm a joint heir with Jesus, but that's what he calls you. So you ought to embrace who he's called you to be because guess what? You are what he says you are. Regardless of what you feel like, look like, smell like, see like, I don't, you are who he says you are. So he goes on and he gives you other scriptures and he says like this, Ephesians 1, 4, he says, even before he made the world, God loved us and he watched this. He chose us in Christ to be holy, to be holy, to make holy, to become holy and without fault in his eyes. You're holy and without fault in his eyes right now. So I don't feel like that. Listen, that's because the world has changed your name and you believe you're not worthy. And I'm not saying on your own, but through Christ you are. He loves you. One more scripture, I'll wrap up with Ephesians 2.10. says this, that for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are his workmanship. That God looks at you right now, and I promise you what he sees in you is not what you see in the mirror. He sees something greater than what you can even think about. And so right now, Here's what I would love for you to do. We're going to pray. And we're going to have our worship team come up. But whatever it is that's in your mind, and I'm sure it's there, if you've been told something when you were younger, if you are hearing these words right now, maybe you're on a job right now and you can't figure out the system or you can't figure out what they're asking you to do and you're just not feeling like you're making it right now. And they're telling you this and they're telling you that and saying, oh, man, you know, you're too slow. You're not this or whatever. They're, 
whatever's in your head, the name that the world has been giving you, but you're not hearing what God's saying about you, whatever that is right now, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God to kind of just like remove that off of you and remind you of who he created you to be. Spiritually, who he made you and formed you to be in your mama's womb. So Father, in Jesus' name, God, we come before you right now.